Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Today we're here with John Connolly to talk about the intersection between education, politics, and John's work in family engagement. John, welcome to the EdCast. Thanks for having me on, Matt. So, John, you are the co-founder and executive director of 1647. It's a nonprofit organization focused on strengthening the connection between families and school. Take us back to your own family, your own upbringing, your own sort of early schooling, and why you've committed your life to education. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Boston in the 1970s and 1980s, and I've always said anyone who grew up in that time has sort of burnt into their memory um, really painful Uh, experience in a city that was being torn apart at the seams over a battle um, uh, drawn along racial lines for equity in the school system. And for me, I got the absolute best education you could imagine. Um, And yet it was never lost on me that there were so many uh, in my generation uh, in Boston who did not get access to to a great education. And, And that was really what has always fueled me Um, to do work uh, in education and in politics um, as well. So I think it's that intersection between education and politics that can kind of be the tricky sweet spot of how can you be, you know, someone focused on education, someone focused in politics, and and to bring good in both of those areas. You you were a Boston City Councilor for, for, I think, six years or so. Tell us a little bit about that experience and about your experience just uh, leading a, a vision for Boston schools. Sure. Yeah, so for six years I was on the Boston City Council. For four of those six I chaired the Education Committee which gave us oversight um, uh, and really the funding, yes or no, for the Boston Public Schools. Um, And I tried to be an incredibly strong advocate for parents and families and the family voice um, during that time. I really felt like that was missing. And that was a journey to sort of discover that, but that was really what we tried to do. And and so what we did was um, we really drove both the BPS administration and the Boston Teachers Union um, hard to do better for um, families. And I think by the end of it, I ran for mayor, came about 1.5% short um, uh, in an open mayor's race, was really proud of galvanizing parents from across the city, who you know many of whom had never worked on a campaign before. Uh, and the cause was just we can do better with our schools and a, a push for more autonomy, uh, a push for a better teacher's contract, a push for more responsible school administration. Uh, and at the end of the day, we came up short. Um, and I certainly took from that the power um, that you can have to change things and at the same time also um, was a little cynical by the end about um, how often the powerful interests um, can triumph and and where the power is concentrated um, to really maintain the status quo. That led me to my work with 1647, which I'm always trying to be clear on. It's non-political work. I'm not doing the family organizing end or political organizing of families um, because what I saw was um, families worry about a whole bunch of stuff before they worry about politics and policy, um, especially families in poverty. Uh, And so what we wanted to do was just have an organization that was going to focus on how we could better connect school and family to focus on what's most important to the family, which is their child's success in school. Some of our viewers might be curious, what, 1647, what's the sort yeah. of origin of that? That's the, uh, that is the year that Massa- the Massachusetts legislature created public school districts. It said that the community was responsible for the education of its residents and um, really create the first public school systems in North America. Um, we, there, we, found there were, we knew we wanted to do this work. There were a million organizations named Family Something um, or Something Families, and uh, we just wanted a name that would make people scratch their head and say, hey, what are they about? 
So a little bit about the empowering family component. Is, th is this something that you stumbled upon as a city councilor? Is this something that you've always sort of realized was the real way to connect with individuals about schooling? And obviously it's what you've, you're focusing your nonprofit work on. Um, a little bit about how the family empowerment and how the connecting with parents is really not just a Boston thing, but it's a yep. universal across the world thing. So my experience in, in Boston as a city councilor took me far in this direction uh, and it was in my fourth and fifth year in office I did the, the best thing I've ever done from a work standpoint was I went out just about uh, every night I could while um, Boston was reevaluating a student assignment policy and I met with small groups of parents um, and I specifically wanted to get to parents I didn't know and so we were out there every night uh, multilingual uh, trying to get every neighborhood, every demographic, every language we could, and we just um, go out and, and ask about three questions to families and just listen. You know, where do your kids go to school? How did they get there? How did you, how did you come to have this be the school for your child? And what is it that you're looking for from a school? We just ask those three questions and let the parents talk. Um, and I learned so much. And what I saw very clearly was that the family voice was marginalized it wasn't being listened to in any authentic way um, and and I took that with me so it was part of my political work but really once I was was done with with running for office and and got to this point where we started 1647 this was what we had in mind this notion that you know sometimes we think the families need to be fixed and they don't the families know what they want um, it's a question of whether we're connecting them uh, and connecting their voice uh, into it. So, so now we really go out and we focus on helping that individual school put family engagement policies in place that connect with the family and respect the family as an equal voice. Um, and what's been exciting there was uh, I've learned a lot about this from the parent-teacher home visit project based in Sacramento, California, which would be considered more of that sort of traditional end of the public education spectrum, and the Flamboyant Foundation in Washington, D.C., which would probably be considered more of the reform end of the spectrum. They're both doing great work. Um, and it's a national movement uh, around pieces like teacher home visits. Uh, how do you communicate with families over email and texting and web-based communication, but how do you do it in an effective way? How do you connect it to the child's learning and success in school? And how are we engaging families that we typically don't see um, at school? And what I love about it is it's a growing national movement, but this is a place in education where reformers and traditionalists should be in sync. Yeah, where they come together. I'm always intrigued by the role education plays in politics. I remember being in the Boston area. Education was at the heart of the mayoral debate. Um, what, is, what are your thoughts on how people politicize education and then also the role that education is playing or not playing in the presidential election that's happening right now? Right. Well, I think, you know, I, I think that we see it as a fault line nationally. And we see this toxic education debate right now um, where I would say no, no one is, is doing uh, families and children and families any justice. Um, and, and it's so polarized. I mean, in Boston, so much of it runs back to desegregation. Um, the way you can take so much back to Brown versus the Board of Education um, as these, these pivotal moments. But Boston feels the scars of desegregation 40 years later. Um, and 40 plus years later, uh, that's still still haunted today and leave it incredibly polarized. Uh, and more than anything, what I've seen is make it hard to change um, and allow then 
power brokers to just control their fiefdoms. Um, and I think that that's the, the problem when you've got these polar opposite sides, neither of whom, in my opinion, have everything right. Um, the polarization allows the folks who control the power presently to just kind of maintain that status quo, whether it's intentional um, or not. Talk to the parents and the educators, the listeners of the show who may say, you know what, I'm interested in education and I want to be civic minded. I want to get involved in politics and I want to get involved in some ways is the natural way to, you know, try and run for school committee or what's the best sort of entry point to getting involved in the intersection between education and politics? Right. Well, I mean, I think the local piece is so important. I think what we need are voices who aren't going to play to the extremes. Um, and that, that we need more than anything. And you can see this on the local level in school committee races you know, right now. And then it's reflected at that national level. And you asked about the national piece before. And I'd say you know, one of the reasons why I love President Obama, uh, and I know not all of your listeners do, but um, is race to the top. And we actually have a uh, president who impacts education policy in a way that can be felt, felt for me very personally. Two, two of my children had a turnaround school in the Boston Public Schools that was failing, but because of Race to the Top is now uh, a very good school doing good things. Um, so I see that totally absent from the debate this year in a presidential campaign that's just gone crazy. Um, but I come back to the local and that's really where the biggest impact and the biggest decisions are made. And I think it's everything from advocating for a candidate to just being at all the meetings and trying to be that voice. But at the end of the day, the most important thing to me is we need voices of reason who are going to say, hey, that extreme and that extreme don't neither have it right. Um, and we've got to find this middle ground. And that's what I loved about Race to the Top. Race to the Top expanded charter schools at the same time that it said, you've got to also bring more autonomy into the districts. Uh, And we're gonna connect funding uh, on this. We're not gonna say funding doesn't matter, funding matters, but we want funding plus systemic reform across not just charter schools, but also traditional district schools. Um, That to me was a voice of reason uh, and that, that was more in the middle than it was on on either side. Even I know a lot of folks might disagree with that, but um, the mere fact that you'd be saying, you got to bring these principles into the district schools as well as charters. To me, says that that's a voice of reason uh, in the midst of a toxic debate. Yeah, yeah, I think finding that reason is very important locally and especially nationally. John, people who want to learn a little bit more about 1647, connecting families in schools, where can they go and how can they get involved if they want to volunteer or, or sure. participate? They should go to 1647families.org. Uh, and they can uh, email myself or uh, any of our folks there um, through the website. They can also check us out on uh, Twitter at at 1647families or at 1647underscore-families, and uh, we're on Facebook as well, um, 1647families. And uh, uh, they can learn all they want there, and um, we always uh, love to have volunteers. Fantastic. We'll link to that on our web story. John Connolly is the co-founder and executive director of 1647, nonprofit organization focused on strengthening the connection between families and schools. John, thanks for being on the EdCast today. Thanks, Matt. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.